transient nature is often misunderstood and it can be reified or conceptualized in an inaccurate way. What does transient nature mean? Well, on the surface, it means that everything changes, everything comes and goes, nothing is static, nothing is permanent. It may also be called the doctrine of impermanence in Buddhism. But what is the personal experience of transient nature? And I say personal lightly. I think the key distinction experientially between the way it sounds or the way it's defined and more importantly, the way the mind will usually perceive it, or perhaps it's the only way the mind can perceive it and the actuality of it is the following. The way the mind hears this or is likely to hear this would be that there's something, some consciousness aware of a flow of experience or a flow of events or a flow of time, or perhaps not even time, but just an ever-changing kaleidoscope of experience. This is probably the only way that our mind or thought or concept or imagining could put this together but it's not accurate the experience of it is notably missing the most important key element in that description I just gave and that is the central experience of being aware or being conscious or having some reference or referencing experience or reference point by which all other experiences are judged, perceived, noticed, gained and lost. That is what's not there. That central feature, that noticing entity or noticing apparatus or experience or consciousness or awareness. When those are seen through, discarded as illusion or more concept or even non-conceptual perspectives or perceptions, when they're discarded, then the pointer, transient nature, or impermanence becomes so obvious why it's there, why the pointer is there, what it actually means. Now, of course, like so many things in deep stage realization, it's damn near impossible to even approximate in language. But it's far lighter, far more free than some experience of consciousness in, in a flow of experience, noticing things arise and depart, come and go, become birthed 
and dying. As peaceful as that might sound, or real or true as that might sound, it's still heavy, heavier than we often realize. Because who is it that has to take the hit by letting go of everything? Who is it that has to come to terms with the fact that nothing can be held on to? Who is it that has to lament the fact that we're not in control and that the future is imagined? So all of that, the future, the present, the past, the experiences, the events, all of it is not really a problem because it's empty. But even to believe it's empty, it just becomes concept. The real challenge is to see through the one that feels like it has to navigate that. Whether it's navigating it in the world of time, doership, struggle, or whether it's navigating it by having to let go of it all. Either way, that very fundamental illusion is still operating. What if you see that there's no one that has to manage this at all? There's no one that has to lament the loss of everything. There's no one that's dismayed by the the sort of radical mystery of impermanence or that which is obviously revealed when the illusion of the one that moves through time is dispelled. It's hard to talk about this, as you can probably see, but hopefully you get the flavor of what I'm talking about. Also, to reify the idea, concept, or mental image of impermanence or transient nature can also become another distraction or distortion in deeper realization. It's critical to see that when we talk about impermanence or when we talk about the transient nature of experience, that these ways of pointing are really corrections. They're corrections from a pretty solidified view, the view of time and doership stuck together. The view of agent and event, person, situation that that agent acts upon. It's a very solid or having a lot of momentum perception. So these pointings are to point you through and beyond that fixation. But once that fixation is let go of or seen through, then there's no reason to hold on to something else called impermanence. That's not going to help do anything but try to reorient the mind again. Per like overcompensating or perhaps not fully allowing us to actually let go to such a depth that the whole issue of permanence and impermanence is dispelled completely. 
So don't hold on to impermanence either. But do what you can to see through the illusion there's something, anything, any even a non-thing like consciousness or awareness moving from one moment to the next. That's not happening. So what is it like when it's seen that that's not happening? It's almost like a sci-fi movie in the way I'm going to describe it. It's like this moment, let's call it this moment. Let's call it these appearances, whatever they are, which in one sense are elemental because they're made out of sensory substance or substancelessness. So this collage of appearances, let's just say for the moment, it doesn't even exist on its own. It doesn't exist on this side or that side. It doesn't exist on the subjective side or the objective side. It has no abiding existence. And thus nothing is propagated forward or backward through time. And nothing is propagated outward or inward in space. So appearances appear and there's nothing else you can say. And you certainly don't have to say that. But there's an instinctual knowing of completeness in this appearance. All of that seeking, all of that feeling of inadequacy or not getting it or not having it or struggling or being on the spiritual journey endlessly, all of that has an unsatisfactory flavor, an unsatisfying texture to it. It's also a lure that lures attention back into thoughts concepts, beliefs, and your own past, your story, your narratives, all of it. So when that lure is not there, when this summation of experiences or zero distance experiences appears exactly how it is now, not taking reference from anything else, not taking reference certainly from a mind or thought. It's referenceless in this way. So here it is. And it's complete. It doesn't seek. It's not looking for another moment. It's not oriented to a future or a past because it doesn't perceive a future or a past because it doesn't actually perceive. It's free of perception. It's free from the categories that can be binding, apparently. Binding, apparently, because that binding is only actually going on in thought. But it's free from the binding of real and unreal. Free from the binding of more or less true. 
So it's free. But it's not a knit. As these appearances appear, there's no remainder. They don't appear out of something. Their appearance is everything. Dogen's description of total exertion is pretty good here. So what makes the appearance of movement, evolution, de-evolution or devolution or however you say it, of temporality is only what makes this appear, all these appearances is only thought because nothing else could make that illusion appear. Because what is, is simply, immediately, directly, now, just here. And there's nothing referencing a previous moment to compare here at all. There's nothing comparing it to being less present or the one who is less present. There's nothing comparing it to being more present or the one who could be more present. So no past, no future, no judgment of self. So no judgment of self, no experience of self. That means no judgment or experience of self apart, no judgment or experience of self in time, no judgment about or experience of a self that suffers. So there's also no suffering here. There are sensations. There is sound. There is movement. Taste. Etc. But those didn't come from somewhere. And they're not going anywhere. And also here, there can be thoughts, the movement of thought, the movement of mind, but it's not grasped onto, it's not touched by will. It's not touched by aversion. It's not put, touched by seeking or desire. And thus the thought substance remains totally inert. And the aliveness or immersion or intimacy deepens infinitely. But there's nothing collecting that, nothing collecting that experience of deepening, nothing is accumulating, nothing builds up here. nothing to get tired of here. There's nothing to become familiar with here, per se. Although in one way of speaking, there's a very, very fundamental 
transcendent type of familiarity. But it's not apart from the sound itself. Not apart from the sensations themselves. In the same way that awareness is not apart from sensations. Awareness of is not apart from sound. There's no identity in awareness. Experiencing objects like sound and sensation. The apparent dualistic experience is what props up identity. So with non-dualistic experience, when it's clear enough, there's nothing left to prop up identity. So identity has nowhere to reside. So then we enter this world of as is, thusness, suchness, just this. Again, to say we enter that world is really off. <laughs> but I'm trying to do my best with language here. The instinctual insight about what I'm saying is what matters. Some people watching this, well, this will just be totally clear to them. Some, it will resonate, but still feel obscure. Maybe you've had this experience as an experience momentarily. To some, this can sound preposterous or like word salad, like it doesn't make any sense at all. That's okay too. If you've watched it this long, there's some part of you that gets it. It's not your mind. So it's okay. Just feel into it. And if it triggers something, like an emotion, anger, frustration, that's fine. Go there. Don't go to the thoughts about it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't ask me questions about, well, Angelo, do you mean this or do you mean that? This is frustrating to listen to this. If you feel that way, <clears throat> I'll pre-answer the question for you. Just go to the emotion. You could say it's purposeful in a way or lawful that that emotion came up with this. That's where you need to go. So if you feel contraction and fear or anger or frustration or impatience, any of that with what I'm saying, nothing's gone wrong. Don't conclude that that's being experienced because you can't do this or you don't have the capacity or something like that. A realization is just not going to work for you. Those are the thoughts. Go to the sensation. And halfway between thought and sensation, you're going to feel an emotion. And that's okay. It's good. That's what's supposed to happen. Now, as I said, some people will find this to be rather familiar in the immediate. Yes, this is exactly what's what's what. In that case, it's just a matter of a sort of vigilance, a relaxed, present vigilance to not get lost in the mind, to not grasp anything. Don't add from the, the experience and don't subtract now, which is beautiful. You come to a place where you don't need to subtract, which means try to disassociate. Don't do that because you don't need to. Just hear, just feel. Just one step 
just sit. Just one bite. One swallowing of the food. One sky. One breath. One cough. Each one of these are endlessly deep and thorough in their variety of sensory quanta, let's say. And they're also thoroughly mysterious. So this is how you penetrate deeper into presence through total surrender and a sort of vigilance that comes with not being able to distract anymore. And then love, which is the quote unquote personal experience of the intimacy I'm talking about that arises from non-dual realization. Let me know if these types of pointings are helpful. Um, I can do more, but they're also very direct. So they can kind of freak people out on occasion from the comments I get. Yeah, let me know.